And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on The Athletic Podcast Network. Green light 3-0 and she's gone! Welcome to The 3-0 Show, part of The Athletic Baseball Show. This show is for Thursday, April 13th. We are speaking to each other midday on Wednesday, April 12th. Derek Van Riper, Richaroli, Eno Saris here on this episode. We will ponder the question, will the Tampa Bay Rays lose a single game this season? Could the Tampa Bay Rays put together the perfect season? Could they be the team that ruins life for the Miami Dolphins of the 70s? Could that actually be? That'd be a great twist. Lots of other stuff to talk about too, though. Some bad luck injuries that have happened so far. We want to talk about some slow starts and whether or not we're actually concerned about those players or if it's just some noise caused by the fact that we're still within the first couple of weeks of games. And we're going to dig into our favorite home run celebrations, team home run celebrations. They are all the rage right now. Everybody has one. So we're going to pull some of our favorites as we move through this show. I want to start today on the injury front. O'Neill Cruz is going to be out until sometime during the second half. A disappointing injury for the Pirates. Obviously, a key young player for them. If they had any hope of of really being a, a wild card team, a surprise wild card team, I think part of that narrative would have been a healthy O'Neill Cruz takes a step forward. You know, we talked a little bit about it on rates and barrels in the limited time we saw him before the injury happened on Sunday. O'Neill Cruz was starting to show the signs that we wanted to see from him of a player who was figuring a lot of things out at the plate in the early days of the season. Yeah, I think it's also sad for a Pirates team that was looking like they were finally making progress. They're putting a more representative team on the on the field and their superstar looked like he was going to be a superstar. I mean, he was adding the contact ability and the patience that the the tool set really needed to shine. And we know he's the guy who's hit a ball harder than any other player uh not named Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, actually, he's actually hit the hardest hardest ball ever. He's also thrown the hardest pitch, uh, the hardest throw across the infield uh, that we've tracked, uh, and he's one of the you know, sort of 10, 15 fastest players in baseball. So this is a great toolsy guy who's adding that that level, and it's really hard hard to see him go down like that. It was also a tough play to watch. I don't know that I blame anybody really involved. It's sort of one of those things that came together fast. Uh, play at the plate. Uh, but uh, it is really uh, too bad for this team. Puts a damper on their nice start. Pirates 7-4 and four entering play on Wednesday after walking off the Astros on Tuesday night. That was a G1 Bay home run that got it done after a David Bednar blown save. That was the first time uh, two Korean players, uh, three Korean players had, had homered on the same day in, in baseball, so that was kind of fun. Yeah, two teammates. They had a picture afterwards in the clubhouse that uh, circulated on social media. It was pretty cool. Um I agree with you guys. This also, even if you're not a Pirates fan, like watching O'Neill Cruz, he was a guy for me anyway. That you know, when he's up, you don't change the channel, right? Like you want to see what he's going to do, even if you're not watching the whole Pirates game. So I think people that you know, outside of Pittsburgh really felt that one. And and you look at the Pirates, and they've had some injuries early on. I mean, JT Brubaker, he's another guy who like nobody's quite sure, but I think I saw recently Ben Sherrington said he's going to be out for quote a while. Um, so they've had like some really tough luck injury news, especially as we sit here, what, two weeks into the season, barely. Um, it's really unfortunate for a team that, you know, I think everybody just wants them to be competitive again. And they have, like, you know, they've had a really nice start to the season, but you just wonder how sustainable that is as they keep losing player after player. I know that's, you know, I've seen the, the quotes that are like, well, people are going to have to step up. Well, there's no replacing some of these guys, right? There's a reason why stars are stars and, you know, they could hold serve for a little while, but, I think I saw four months on the timetable for O'Neill Cruz. I mean, that's, that's you know, yeah, that, that's borderline the entire season. I mean, what are you looking at in August, kind of? He's come back for the last two months, maybe. Um, and then, you know, is he going to be right? How, how long of a ramp-up do you need after missing that much time? Um, you know, it really is a lost season, and it's just unfortunate. 
Yeah, I think that the pitching will have to step up. The good news is they've got Luis Ortiz, one of the highest stuff guys in the minor leagues, coming up. Um, and even uh, Johan Oviedo, who they got from the Cardinals, is throwing 96 this year. I was a little surprised when I saw that. So they're going to have to win some some uh, one to nothing, 2 to one type games here in the future. Yeah, you get the reunion with Andrew McCutcheon, kind of a, a nice story there. A couple of young guys that have stepped up, though, in the rotation. Ronzi Contreras, kind of a possible breakout pitcher. Mitch Keller. After years and years of frustration, I think in starting fantasy like circles an and pirates fanhood everywhere, like there was so much frustration with him, it is starting to click for him. So some things going right in Pittsburgh, and we'll see what things look like once Cruz is eventually back. But definitely a tough injury to watch. We also saw Tim Anderson go down with an injury. Fortunately for the White Sox, it's likely a two to four week absence for Anderson. Kind of a fluke injury. I think it was uh, Matt Walner just fell on his leg diving into third base. So not not a preventable injury really at all. Not a soft tissue sort of thing or or anything that you'd be really worried about long term as a recurring sort of problem. But um, I do think the the thing we've always said about the White Sox these last couple of seasons is that they've really struggled to put together enough big league depth to keep things afloat when injuries strike. They are in slightly better shape because of their plan at second base this year. They were the team that went in late to get Elvis Andrews so they could use Elvis Andrews at short. They could play someone like Hansel Alberto at second base, and they'll be fine. Like This injury won't sink them, won't hurt them nearly as much as the O'Neill Cruz injury will likely hurt the Pirates, but something that is a blow to the White Sox in what looks like a more competitive AL Central in the early days of the season, Britt. Yeah, definitely. We've talked about this on this show before. I mean, it seems like for the White Sox, the story has been health. I mean, every every year, the last couple of years, people have picked them to pretty much win the division, you know, by and large, at least the majority. Um, and they just haven't been able to stay healthy. And, and certainly, I think if you're a Minnesota Twins fan and you're listening to this, you're like, well, what about us? Like, they've had some some big injuries as well. But uh, for the White Sox, I think this is really, like, the, the, we've talked about the window a lot. But for the White Sox, it's like, okay, are, are they ever going to have some of these guys stay on the field and reach their potential? Um, because as you mentioned, the AL Central is a little bit more competitive than I think people realize. I mean, Cleveland, though, to me, has gotten off to a little bit of a rough start. They've had some tough opponents, but you know, watching them against New York, it, it kind of feels like, is this is this team going to be able to do what they did last year, which is kind of widely outperform expectations? I'm not sure. Uh, but when you look at the White Sox, um, to me, this is the year that everyone's kind of down on them. So this could be the year that you know they do prove people wrong, but they have to stay on the field. They have to have everybody firing at the same time. And you know, we talked about this with Tampa Bay. We're going to get into it uh, with the Rays as well. But the Rays were the fourth most injured team in all of baseball last year. Uh, them just getting healthy is a big part of why their lineup is clicking, right? They missed the most consecutive days for any kind of playoff team. All the other three teams below them were not contenders. So I think when you look at this, and the White Sox are certainly right up there, if they are able to have that whole lineup finally together, finally clicking, uh, they should be a very good team. We just really haven't seen it. Yeah, everyone's dealing with it so far in the AL Central. You mentioned the Guardians. Tristan McKenzie just transferred over to the 60-day IL. So their, their pitching depth, which is always a strength, is going to be tested throughout this season. I think we're going to see a lot of their young starters sooner than expected as a result of that. And now more recently, an Aaron Savali oblique injury. So two members of that starting five for Cleveland already down. As far as Minnesota goes, they are becoming one of the default teams that I tune into. I like watching this team. I think they're an exciting team, kind of top to bottom. I like the way they're built. I know Ken Rosenthal wrote about the trade that brought Pablo Lopez and a couple of prospects from the Marlins uh, this offseason. He wrote about that, I think, on Wednesday for the Athletic. This looks like a more complete team than we've seen in the last couple of seasons. Sonny Gray has had one really good start already this year. Joe Ryan flashing a new pitch. Lopez looks good. Tyler Malley's healthy for now. And Kenta Maeda's pitched well in his first couple of starts as well. So I think things are really starting to look up a bit for the Twins on that rotation side. Eno's talked a lot about this bullpen having some really underrated pieces in it. Joan Duran is one of the better young closers or late inning relievers in the game. They don't use him as exclusively a closer, but uh, you go through guys like Jorge Lopez, they traded for Griffin Jacks. Like they've got an A bullpen that kind of stands up with a lot of other good teams. And I think the key for them over the last few years, as, as you alluded to, Britt, They've had plenty of injuries themselves, right? The times that Byron Buxton has been hurt. It, it, too many to count, really, on one hand at least. And if they can keep this core healthy, and we'll see what happens with Jorge Polanco already hurt, Carlos Correa banged up with a back injury, 
they look like they are a notch better than they've been the last couple of years, in part because that pitching goes a lot deeper than it has the last couple of seasons. Yeah, this uh, this squad looks really great. It has some of the best breaking stuff in the majors. Griffin Jackson's slider is up there. Um, you know, Jorge Lopez has two breaking balls that are plus plus. Caleb Thielbar, not a not a uh, not a national name that you you recognize, but uh, also a really great sweeping slider. And so, um, you know, they've got the the weapons they need in that bullpen. They are actually third in baseball in stuff plus, which just looks at velo and movement and release points. It really loves this team with. Uh, you know, everybody popping Joe Ryan's new sweeper. He's got a sweeping slider. It's it's kind of a riding slider that doesn't drop as much as you expect. Joe Ryan, along with his great fastball that has deception to it and good command. Pablo Lopez is adding a sweeper or added a sweeper and it has, has, has the best whiff rate of any sweeper in the big league. So that goes along with his plus changeup and good fastball velo. And on top of this, you were talking about their depth in terms of pitching, I think they're a little bit better off than usual. They had Bailey Ober, who's this really deceptive, over-the-top uh, weirdo. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean that in, in good terms. Uh, it's a really hard look. It's a really tough look to see Bailey Ober uh, when you're in the box. But then the the guy that traded for, Simeon Woods-Richardson, who's been up and down, uh, he has the best stuff plus um, of any starter in AAA right now. Um, so that's a fun combination to have those two guys in the waiting if something happens to this rotation, which has become one of the better rotations. It's not one that where you say, oh, well, they've got Cole on top or DeGrom on top. It doesn't really work like that, but this is also a Twins team that hasn't worked like that in the past. This is a Twins team that's kind of put together, hey, let's have good guys everywhere we can. And uh, I think that's it's sort of coming together right now. Josh Winder as well as another yeah. pitching depth guy once he's back from the IL. So yeah, they're they're a little better suited to deal with some pitching injuries this time around. No, you know who's top in tough stuff plus? Is it the Rays? Uh it is not. I'm surprised. Ooh. Let me see. It is the Yankees. Uh. Actually, it's a three-way tie because uh the stuff plus, once you aggregate on the team level, it doesn't have as big of a of a spread. So it's a three-way tie between the Yankees, the Angels, and Minnesota. But I guess there's probably some decimals we're not seeing there. So, uh, And then Tampa uh, comes in right behind them. Interesting. Well, the Yankees were the highest velocity team last year. so And they have great breaking balls. They're adding sweepers to every pitcher. And yes. Like, you know, Cole looks, Cole looks like he's in Cy Young form this year. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Speaking of sweepers, I know this is on the run. Can, can, can you guys explain this to me like I'm an idiot? Is, <laughs> this is everywhere now after last year, and I know I missed half of last year having a child. A little out of the loop. But all of a sudden, everybody has a sweeper. Doesn't it seem like yeah. it? It, it, it? It's like they all got together and were like, hey, this pitch is really good. And it's Otani. I was watching him last night. It is his best pitch. Really? Yeah, now he's throwing it too. And I think it's partially because Driveline, uh, you know, is, is coaching almost everybody's uh, pitchers and, and they've they've been big on the sweeper. But it's also started with the Dodgers. And back in 2021, I said, is there a Dodgers slider? Because Evan Phillips had it and Urias had it and they taught it to Blake Trinan. Um, and it turned out that the Dodgers, Yankees and Astros were all doing it in 2021. Well, if the Dodgers, Yankees and the Yankees and Astros do something, the rest of the league notices and starts doing it, too. And so that's what we've seen is this copycat effect where they're all throwing this. And I, I, it has a bunch of different names. W what are your favorite names for it? Because um, one is 
the hand of God slider, which is uh, which is pretty good, I think, but but also doesn't really just tell you anything about it, right? Uh, the other is the whirly, uh, which tells you a little bit more about what it's like. Uh, the sweeper is one, um, and I my favorite is the riding slider because what it is is a pitch that uses seam effects. The seam, the way the seams catch the air, it doesn't drop as much as you'd expect. And so it's not a slurve. A slurve has two-plane movement. This is a riding, it is a sideways curve. It is a sideways slider. It is It is something more akin to a cutter, but it has more movement than a cutter. Like so it's like a cutter, super hey. cutter. There's a bad word that I can't say that also <laughs> describes this, the oh, SL no. cutter. Uh, so... Um, you know, which of those names do you guys like best? I mean, there's descriptive quality. Hand of God is just sounds I like hand awesome of God, to say. But correct me <laughs> if Doesn't I'm, roll off the tongue. Yeah, yeah. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, though, but there are different, there are vastly different velos that guys are throwing these at, too, right? It seems like there's two classes. Yeah, the velo is really important because if you can get yours to 84, 85, then you have one of the best sweepers in the big leagues. And so we're going to see people add this and throw it 80. And I have, I was talking to Clark Schmidt about this and Drew Rasmus and some other guys. And they said that the velo is really important because the slower it is, the quicker a batter can see it and the more you get takes. So if you can get it up to 85, you start to get swings on it. And uh, that's really important. And so 85 is the magic number. And, you know, most of the guys who have a, a sweeper over 85 are really good. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I think I like Sweeper the best of the names. I think I just it flows when you're talking about the arsenal of most pitchers. It just it fits. It, it has a similar number of syllables. It has a similar sound. Sweeper, slider, cutter. Yeah, I, I think I like that. Here are the sweepers that are over 85 miles an hour, uh, so that you can get a sense of uh, the best ones. Graham Ashcraft's new uh, slider is a sweeper at 80 at 89. Aroldis Chapman has thrown a few. Matt Brash throws an 89-mile-an-hour sleeper. That is why he's in the big leagues. That is his bread and butter. Um, another, A few other good ones. Carl, uh, Clark Schmitz is at 87. Griffin Jacks is at 86. Alex Cobb is throwing one at 86. George Kirby, 86. Zach Wheeler's slider is at 86. If that's a sweeper. Drew Rasmussen is at 86. And Dustin May is at 86. So those are some of the best sweepers in the big leagues. This is what Otani threw Trout in that monumentous at bat, correct? I believe so. That's what people were saying. The one thing that's that's difficult is, I mean, Otani's is showing up right now as eighty four, um, and that pitch was was harder than that. But um, one thing that's difficult is that Statcast is right now in the middle of sort of going back through historically and trying to decide which ones are sweepers. And so there's, we're in the middle of a classification thing where they're trying to separate the sliders and the sweepers. Gotcha. Uh, so we might get some retroactive changes to the player pages where we'll see, you know, some things that were previously, were they mostly almost exclusively classified as sliders than previously? Yes. So we'll huh. see some high, high volume sliders probably get split. Yeah. And one of the things that is difficult from a modeling or a statistical standpoint is that some people are also throwing a harder slider. So like a gyro slider, which is like a little bullet slider. And they're doing that because they want to have more command over the sweeper is hard to command. You're throwing a sideways curveball. It's like a, it's a frisbee. That's that's what it is. It's a frisbee. There's another yeah. way to describe it. I like that. <laughs> so it has to have a certain amount of movement to be categorized as a sweeper, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm I was discussing uh, what was it uh, Alex Cobb's new slider with Mike Petriello as I was at the game in Yankee Stadium and. I know that uh, Cobb's trainer and Cobb call it a sweeper, uh, but Petriello was like, it doesn't have enough sideways movement for us to call it a sweeper yet. Over at Baseball Prospectus, it's a sweeper. So, uh, you know, there's a, there's some, you know, different ways to define it. Um, some of the ways you can define it have to do with the interaction of release point and movement if you want to get really tied in on it. But it looks like Savant is looking mostly at trying to say, if it has really good horizontal movement and not much vertical movement, we'll call it a sweep. Is this a pain for catchers to catch? Have you talked to any catchers about this? That's an interesting question. It's, I mean, we're, we're, we're only in sort of year two or three of it. Um, I, th I know that it's a, a pain to command and there's some other stuff that we're going to talk about in a, in a piece coming out next week. But, uh, you know, it's funny to, when there's like a trend and the first, and the first part of it is like, like, remember the four seam trend? Everyone's like, oh my God, spin, four seam. We got to have spin, four seam. And then there was a bunch of people who were like, 
man, my force seems bad. <laughs> like there was a bunch of people who threw the force seam and and then you know got blasted because they were like, oh well, not everyone can have a plus force seam. So you know what we're gonna find in the in the coming years in the coming couple of years is people are gonna throw the sweeper that don't throw good ones. Yeah, that's the thing with any new pitch though. You try something and it feels okay, but then you realize it doesn't move the way it needs to. It's not effective. It doesn't work well the other stuff, and sometimes you have to end up scrapping it. Yeah, I do think this is kind of a new pitch, though. It's not. It's not really a slur. A slurve. Um, I I wonder what the next new pitch will be. Um, you know, because it's uh, been so long since we've really had a new pitch, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's hard to think of a place. I mean, the screwball is an old pitch that yeah. isn't thrown very often, but I also don't think it's very healthy. That's not. Dallas Braden has told me it's not very healthy for your arm. I was thinking about uh, the Devin Williams airbender is something that it's unique. It's a changeup, but because he pronates the way he so does, much. you couldn't teach that. I mean, you wouldn't feel good about teaching that. That's what I'm saying. I don't know, like I'm not going to yeah. teach my kid the airbender. <laughs> no, if he kind of has that natural twisting over pronation on his own, then maybe you're just like, well, it's just his his arms comfortable with that. But I feel like you'd be compromising the health of of an elbow and a shoulder. For a lot of people, by by teaching that, but something that moves like that airbender, maybe that's what we're looking for. Well, we can we can now see that you know Brent Honeywell's back in the big leagues, and that's pretty awesome. Um, and he throws a, a really good scroogey, uh, and we've talked about it. And he doesn't think that that's necessarily why he's been injured, but he's been injured a lot. And a lot of the guys who really pronate hard on those on those changeups have had bad injuries. You wonder every time there's a new pitch, can we fast forward five years and see what kind of like, right? Are there all these guys getting injured from, from, you know, essentially throwing these pitches? Are they not? It's the, the mechanics of the sweeper, you know, could make you a little nervous. Basically, what you're trying to do is like get really out in front and throw a sideways curveball. So I don't know. That doesn't really hurt my arm just doing it. Like if I start doing this, like to do the airbender, if you're watching on YouTube, like do this, it kind of hurts, right? That's the extreme pronation. But, you know, taking a, a curveball and kind of just getting out there and getting around the side of it, that doesn't hurt as much. Let's move on to some early slow starts. Uh, the Yankees came up in passing there. Not at all surprised to hear that they're the leader in stuff plus. And I think we're at the point now, a couple of weeks in, where people start to ask questions about decisions like Anthony Volpe being on the opening day roster. And I think sometimes those questions are unfair and, and premature. And I think if we... Remember that we've seen early seasons before. We could even go back to last season and see what some rookies did. Some good rookies. Let's take a look at three rookies from last year and what they did at the beginning of last season. So March-April numbers. Julio Rodriguez, last year, March-April. What do you think his stats were? They weren't good. Wander Franco, is he on there? Is he on there? He wasn't the hitting the for Prowler. stuck with him and he really has become the guy. I give like a 350 slugging to Julio Rodriguez in March last year. He had a 260 slugging. Wow. He had a 61 WRC plus. Julio Rodriguez in his first 20 games last season struck out 37% of the time. Wow. His biggest contribution was really as a base dealer. He had a that bunch sounds of familiar. Yeah. Hey, this is kind of what Volpe's doing right now. <laughs> of the big three, and there were other good rookies that were, be, that were interested at the beginning of last season, Julio Rodriguez, Spencer Torkelson, and Bobby Witt Jr., Torkelson had the best start to the season, and he ended up having the worst season by far of the three. He went back to AAA and never seemed to really figure it out. And Torkelson was basically a league average hitter, striking out in a third of his plate appearances to begin his career. And then Bobby Witt Jr., the other comp, had a 24.7% K rate, a 2.6% walk rate, and that was a 216, 247, 311 line. That was mm -hmm. at the end of his first month from like May 1st on. Much better, probably a 260, 310. 450, 460 with power and speed. Yeah. Bobby Wood Jr. was fine. So I'm more on the side that says the Yankees are good enough at everything else where if Anthony Volpe is struggling for 20, 25, 30 games, it's not the end of the world. You just see how it goes a bit longer. And if we flip the calendar to May, if we're in the middle of May and the numbers look the same, then we start to think about maybe giving him some more time at AAA helping get confidence back if that seems to be an issue, doing what we've seen plenty of other prospects do. It doesn't mean he's a failure. It doesn't mean it's not going to work out later this year. But I think it would be premature, a bad process to send him down this quickly. So do you share my optimism, Britt? Do you think the Yankees are doing right by giving Anthony Volpe more time to try and make some adjustments? Yeah, so when I look at a team that has a prospect that 
they think is going to be a big prospect. Uh, I always look at it as, is this guy costing them games? And the answer to Anthony Volpe is no. He's not costing the Yankees games. So if you think he's a big part of your future, if you think he's this next Derek Jeter type of player for your franchise, which is just a tough label to put on anybody, but um, I agree with you. You have to stick it out. And I, I don't even say early mid-May. I think most executives look at Memorial Day as that like quarter pole mark, and that's when you kind of have a big enough sample size where you kind of feel comfortable analyzing trends, looking at where guys are. So that's where you say, okay, if he's still not hitting my Memorial Day, he does need to go down. There are things he needs to get better at in AAA. But he made the team for a reason. He made the team because they thought he could handle the big leagues. You can't just sit here now on, you know, April, what? what's today? The 11th, the 12th? Um, the 12th. The 12th. You can't just sit here and say, oh, he's no good. We got to send him back right. down. Like, no. He, you know, he's still, he's still helping the team in some facets. He's stealing a lot of bases. You know, if he looked like a guy who the game had sped up on him and he was making all these errors at shortstop and again, costing them games, different story. But for me, I don't think you panic. And you mentioned a bunch of other names. But like I said, Wander Franco, go look at what he did offensively. The race stuck with him. And look at what he's doing offensively now. Sometimes these young guys just need a little time. I mean, this is a guy who is playing for the team he grew up idolizing. You know, he's in the big leagues, not just in the big leagues, in the big leagues for the New York Yankees. It's a lot of pressure. I think you give him a lot more runway. I really do, unless there are signs in the clubhouse and among the coaching staff that he's just totally overwhelmed. And I just, I don't see that right now, at least not as an outsider. Yeah, just to your point, Britt, Wander Franco, when he came up in 2021, his first 20 games, hit 200 with a 261 OBP and a 363 slug. The Rays went 12 and 8 when that happened. You could still win with someone in your lineup doing that. That's not that's not going to sink you. Is that part of the story now of like why Wander Franco is good now? You know what I mean? Like you have to start you have to start somewhere. You have to start it up and you have to get it going. And I think that the the thing about Anthony Volpe is that like we're looking at these stats like hey, he's one for one with a double today. Guess what that did for his slugging percentage? You know, it it, it raised it 60 points. You know what I mean? Just one yeah. double today. And it's uh, it's tough when things look so bad in a small sample. But even the numbers, the numbers that become meaningful the fastest are things that are on a per pitch level. So something like how often does he chase outside the zone? That could become meaningful. He's being a little aggressive outside the zone. He is chasing a little more than maybe you'd like a guy like him to do. And that doesn't become meaningful for... Twice as much, no, almost three times as much as he's seen. He's seen 145 pitches. You need to get to 500 pitches before you start to believe that. So you need to actually give him to about 100 plate appearances. And he's at 36. You know, it's not it's not enough to really say much. He's hit some balls hard. He's really fast. He's part of a team that actually a Yankees team that is now, there was a great piece by Ken Rosenthal about how this team is uh, stealing bases and their technique on the, on the field that I really enjoyed. They're a fast team. They're a younger team with him in it. They're a faster team. They're a better defensive team. I think he's going to stick around for a little bit. So we've talked about this more from a lineup construction perspective in the past. Your, your free swingers, your guys that keep the K rate down and do a good job putting balls in play, mixing and matching, creating these tough at bats and these scenarios where if you're game planning against the lineup, it's really hard to do because it's not, one or two player types, it's like four or five. And I think speed is kind of becoming a thing that is more viable again with these new rules. I think teams are putting a, a greater premium on players that provide that as maybe not necessarily a carrying tool, but one of their bigger ways of providing value. Instead of going in that, that multi-year downward trend where the stolen bases were really falling out of favor, I think this is great because as we said before, we want to find other ways to win. We want baseball to have multiple paths to success. You don't want to distill everything down into one or two player development tracks. So I love that the Yankees are even more active on the base pass. They actually stole more bases than I realized last year. I think they were top 10 in the league when I looked it up, but this year they're closer to top five as of, I believe it was Tuesday. And Volpe is a huge part of that. I think having some older guys that definitely aren't going to run mixed in with some younger guys who can provide that element, it just gives them so much more they can do as a run producing unit. I think it makes them more dangerous to have a few players that can do that. I, I think you're right that he's not costing them games. If you add up his hits, his walks, and his stolen bases, you get at least one per game. What if I told you I can give you a solid shortstop 
who's got more upside in the future that'll give you a hit or a walk or a stolen base today. Exactly. It's not that bad. Yeah, there's plenty of teams that would love that because they don't have that. That's what they're looking for. Yeah, yeah especially if they're playing like a Kike Hernandez or somebody at short that's like, you know, too old for the position. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally. Yeah, there are definitely yeah. a lot of teams that would be love to have Anthony Volpe right now. Well, yeah, absolutely. So I think we, we pumped the brakes on the Anthony Volpe needs to go down. Is that a thing, by the way? I haven't really probably seen it, but <laughs> given the news cycle. Yeah. And, oh, and given the location, of course, because yeah. you can't wait if you're in if you're in the Bronx, you can't wait for a player. He doesn't he doesn't get the luxury of every every uh, plate appearance that other players get. It's bogus. But, but people forget that Derek Jeter came up in September and just watched that one year in the postseason with Rivera and stuff when Buck Showalter was the manager and like just learned just and watched play, and did really, nothing yeah. right. Like that doesn't really happen anymore. But like this how is the best you can do. That? It's like that. Yeah, you yeah. know, like this is he's playing. Hopefully, you know, they're not they're not doing so poorly that, you know, everyone's like, oh, he's, you know, the Yankees are seven and four. They're in the mix. They're doing fine. If they were, you know, four and seven, you'd hear it a little bit louder. Uh, by the way, just as, a, as an off point, uh, you know, I hadn't been to Yankee Stadium in a while and um, I had poo pooed them in my beer rankings and uh, it is still a bad place for beer. Uh, I I, di- I didn't try every piece of food and I didn't see every piece of food that was there, but the food didn't look that great either. So I went to some games at Yankee Stadium and I didn't drink beer and I didn't eat any food. Really? Did, the dumplings are pretty good. You didn't you dumplings. dumplings. I didn't see. Area? I didn't hear the dumplings. You should ask me. I would have told you. But I liked. I liked it a little bit. I it it felt smaller than I thought than I remembered it. You know, in a good way. Like it, it it seems like a, a it's a nice place to watch a game. It's not it's not um it's not a bad stadium overall. It's just uh, I think that the the beer and food could be a little better. Yeah. Well, did you ever go to Old Yankee Stadium? No. Well, that's the issue. It's people who went to Old Yankee Stadium where you felt like you were on top of the fans more. But at New Yankee Stadium, as you can see, like. That all the that all the really rich people seats, which sometimes are like mm. half full, um, so you don't feel like as a fan you're as on top of. I did see the quote unquote moat. The moat. <laughs> There's a moat there. There's like a real a well there that kind of separates. But most stadiums have something like that. Yeah, you, know, you got to separate the medium the the premium seats to like, you know, where you put your your ushers to stop people and stuff. Yeah, you got the, the DVR section, which is way up here if you're watching <laughs> yeah. us on YouTube, and the non-DVR section, which is somewhere like below where the camera is. That's nice and close. I love when teams have like a rain delay, and then the, the, once they come back, they're like, if you're still here, sit wherever you want. I think yeah. every team should do That's that. That's what it was like when I was a kid. I, I went to Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, and they were like in the third inning, waving all the kids down. Yeah. I mean, that part is awesome. As a little kid getting that close, I mean... These are things you don't forget. Yeah. Derek Jeter, by the way, to start his career, hit 250, 294, 375 in his first 15 games in 1995. That was stretched out over a span in late May to mid-June, and he came back in September and got one plate appearance in September. There it is. This is watching. That that 250, that line is better than Volpe's, and he had a better hit tool, but, you know. Yeah. But the situation for the 95 Yankees in terms of what they were doing, a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's less pressure coming up in May than there is starting the season with a team. Mm, you should. I mean, the, the, they really, yeah, they it really hit hard. There was like a lot of you know, I, I there was a lot of cheering for Anthony Volpe. There it was very <laughs> loud. The the breacher creatures were la- almost loudest for Volpe. He's like a, a he's like a Yankee kid. Like he's a he's a New York kid. He grew yeah. up in the area. Like they they love him. You know. I overheard a guy saying, and he's real handsome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the story in the AL East continues to be the Tampa Bay Rays. At the time of this recording, they are now 11-0, so they have the best start since the 1987 Brewers. I didn't bring them up. The world brought them up. Okay? <laughs> Everybody else put this into my ear. I didn't I didn't say, let's talk about the 87 Brewers today because I was not even three Shoe when this team was playing. In. I didn't care about that team in 1987. What, what an era, though. Wow, 19, 1987 Brewers. That's when I started watching baseball, but I probably would have just been shaking my fist at them. Uh, it's it's crazy. The um, Their longtime color commentator for TV, Bill Schroeder, catcher. He was playing back then. 
This team had, let's see, who, who do we got? We got Robin Yount. We've got Paul Molitor. Mm-hmm. BJ Surhoff. Rob Deere was on that team. Cecil Cooper. Yeah, some, some very familiar names, even if you're not a Brewer fan. The, the 82 long. Braves matched the 87 Brewers uh, with 13 st- wins to start the season. And the Braves won the NL West that year. That was a Bob Horner, uh, Dale Murphy year, I think. And they lost in the NLCS. The Brewers didn't even make the playoffs. Nope. They took third in the AL East. But this is, I think that's a little bit of a like sort of hot take, you know, like, (laughs) you know, there's, this is lying in numbers, right? Because the Brewers ended up 91 and 71. And if you end up 91 and 71 today in this time, you are in the playoffs. Yes. This was in 87. There were, you know, what was it like? How many people made the playoffs? Like four. Yeah. And the wild cards, right? Like, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, it's not quite the same thing. They would have made the playoffs this year. And then to say that none of the other hot starts won the World Series. Well, congratulations. 29 teams every year don't win the World Series. Most of these teams were good. I mean, right? I mean, yeah. I guess it's surprising that the 82 Braves didn't win more than 89 games. They start out with 13 and 0. And maybe it's surprising the Brewers only won 91, but the A's, uh, when they won 11, uh, won a ton and made it to the ALCS. And the other 10 win teams all won more than 90 games, except for Cleveland finishing 81-81, the only team that's, that won at least 10 games and, uh, to, and went 10-0 to start the season and was 500 or less. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of over people just complaining about the race schedule because... <laughs> It's really hard to win 11 games in a row. I think no matter who you play, right? Like it just is. Yeah, the Tigers aren't good. Well, the Tigers beat Houston. Yeah, the Nationals aren't good. Well, the Nationals beat the Rockies and the Angels. And you know, like, are, are we gonna? Are we gonna? You just can't, in my mind, play like that. Yeah, they've racked up the best run differential through the yeah. 11 games since 1901. So yeah, it's, they, like... it's not like they've been in nail biters against bad teams. They've right. humbled them for the most part. That that one was thanks to Jay Jaffe at Fangraphs. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like for Tampa Bay, and they play Toronto after the Red Sox, so people can, you know, probably be quiet. But what if they win two of three from Toronto? Are they a failure if they finally lose a game? Right? I just think this is just a a remarkable start to the season. And once again, people have underrated Tampa Bay, which it happens every year, right? And we talk about this on the podcast. Like, yeah, the Rays are going to be in there because they're always in there. Um, But one of the things that, We've said is that if Wander Franco becomes a superstar, you know, yeah. you know that changes things a little bit, and it looks like Wander Franco is becoming a superstar. Yeah, and it's not that surprising based on what, what he we did were before. told about him <laughs> yes. coming through their system, and even every the stuff scouting he aboard, all the production. Yes, the glimpses of what he showed us, it it was there in flashes. And he was hurt last year. I, yeah, I don't know what it is about how the general consensus around baseball can be so bad at so fickle. remembering things so fickle analyzing mm-hmm. prospects expecting prospects to be superstars immediately being mad when they're not superstars immediately then being bored of them when they become superstars too quickly and stay superstars for too long like, <laughs> yeah. what do we want what the you hell do him. we want baseball players to be new toy you tell him. it's true though and like i i don't remember if i said this last week dvr stop me if i did but the rays were really upset like the clubhouse not upset but like it kept getting talked about that there was an article in mlb.com of top 10 rotations they weren't in this they weren't among the top rotations i hadn't heard that and like if you notice the other day they they tweeted mlb tweeted like 10 and 0 rays and the rays official account under it said imagine if we had a top 10 rotation (laughs) (laughs) fangrass has a third by the way oh god but like i mean Again, it's just like they're excited. It's like, ah, oh, the Rays are always good. But then people forget about them because they don't have these huge stars and they don't have the biggest fan base. And, you know, we always talk about the trap and our people going to the games. But this is a really good team. By the way, the crowd there looked pretty good. I know the Red Sox tend to, to draw it as well. But um, at least from what I was watching, I was watching the, you know, the, the Rays feed of, of the game. And it looked like there was a, a decent amount of people there. I hope people are going to go support this. I worked my first game at the trap this spring. So that's Did another like new stadium I've added to my to my list. It's great for media. It's great for media. It's a great setup. There's something that I could see that would that, that players wouldn't like that I liked. It was bright. It was bright yeah. in like an interesting way. It was like it seemed uh, I could see 
the game really well. It wasn't yeah. like glaring sun. But the the players do complain about the LED lighting. That was that was a Willie Adamas thing, and you know they do complain complain about it. It is a different kind of lighting. It's almost more like hospital esque or something. It's definitely it a, like fake it lighting. Because whenever I take a photo there, I like will think I look good, and then I'm like, I, yeah, the lighting's <laughs> terrible in here. <laughs> yeah, it's not soft lighting. It's kind of harsh. But but there is no. something to it where you're like, ooh, like this is a baseball game. Here we go. And also, I was talking to the other guys uh, in the media group, and they they're saying. Yeah, it's really great to have the dome, you know, in Tampa. It's yeah, like, it's always it's always nice degrees. in here. Yeah, yep, exactly. And it's great for the media. You walk right down the stairs to get to the clubhouse. It's a, it's a nice little setup, um, you know. But the turf too kind of shortens guys' careers. I think you know that it's mm, not the greatest. Finding the ball in against the white canvas. Yeah, of the all the catwalks. There are always weird rules with you know, bouncing <laughs> off catwalks. Is it foul? Is it fair? Is it you know? Um, but they're they're, they're a good something. team up and down. They you know they've they've got what it takes. I think and I think they even have the depth. They're, they've got a bunch of high minors prospects. If somebody gets hurt, yeah. I mean the, the best thing to see really is Brandon Lau getting back to form and Josh Lowe seems like he's figured out something with his different his different flaws that he's got as a hitter. He's kind yeah. of figured out how to maybe just spit on the high fastball or hit it better. And either way, he's he's doing really well too. Yeah, and Randy Rosarena has become like a star there. I mean, he was a star in the WBC, and then sometimes I feel like in the regular season he kind of wilts or not wilts, just kind of goes away. Well, there's, but he's there's not that many over. fans, right? And he seems to like the fans, you know, getting the autographs during it. <laughs> yeah, but he's 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 done a good job carrying it over. I feel like um, this year. I'm curious to see if that lasts over over a whole season. But what I like too, guys, is everyone's a copycat. You know, they always want to do what the Rays are doing. This is a team that invented the openers that now has a ridiculously good rotation. Are we getting back to the days of the strong starting pitching again? I mean, I hope so. Yeah, they they did do an opener uh, for Josh Fleming. But uh, then they picked Then they just called up Taj Bradley, who I don't think they're going to yep. necessarily do an opener for. This is a, a stud top 10 type pitching prospect. So Right. And they're getting glass um, now back. So, I mean, they do have an actual rotation. They did the opener in previous years out of necessity exactly exactly yeah someone asked me about that this is supposed to be the big new trend how come it's gone away and it's like well nobody really wanted to do it <laughs> right it's just taking your weakness and making it less of a weakness yeah that's it it's a tactic you use when it's appropriate and you don't use it when you don't need it and teams right now much much rather have like seven or eight or nine starting pitchers because that's what it takes to get through a season so you know it's not a good sign when you use an opener because that means you don't have a, a fifth starting pitcher <laughs> like when yeah. you really need nine and you can't come up with five, then you're in trouble. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. 
Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. Got one really important question for each of you before we go. I want to know with every team seemingly having a new celebratory dugout dance ritual after a home run, who has the best home run celebration in the big leagues right now? I'll throw it to you first, Britt. Guys, this is so tough. I gave way too much thought to this this morning. Uh, but I think the Orioles sprinkler thing is is good on many levels because one you talk about coordination with multiple guys with the sprinkler two new like we get we gotta give it props for, for being novel we haven't seen it before um i think i'm going with baltimore they're young they've got time on their hands i don't know how much longer that home run bong thing that they're doing is going to play in i think people are already <laughs> kind of complaining about it looking like a, a frat party in that dugout even though they say it's water what is this bong thing and they have basically a, a bong. Uh, they're it's calling a beer it like bong. A, they're calling it a home run hose. They're saying yeah. like it, it's a beer bong. They're si- yes, it's a bong. They're saying it goes back to your days when you used to drink out of the hose and play in the backyard. <laughs> totally get it. <laughs> I right. never drink out of a hose like that though. That's a straight college funnel. So go. Well, I'm in San Francisco. I'm out here in California, so I had a different definition of bong. I was like, man, if they're hitting the bong after, <laughs> never mind. Um, no, no, they're, they're doing, <laughs> no, they're doing no. the. They're doing the college party. Yes, I saw the and they're spitting out the water. Yeah, that's it's that's pretty fun. I like that. Yeah, my other question though is like, remember when we used to have to like wash our hands every three seconds? Now we're sharing water. (laughs) Yeah, we just gone right past. Yeah, are we back? Uh, Like my only, I guess like the mom in me now is like, oh my god, is are they all going to get sick? One, if like Ryan Mountcastle <laughs> and nine RBIs last night get sick, is he going to take down the whole team? If, they, yeah, if there's a COVID outbreak, the Orioles are screwed. Right? Yeah. The, wow. uh, it, is, it is funny to think how far we've come in the last three years. I, I never could have imagined this in 2020 coming back as a celebration. We have a we have a also like a, a, a like sort of general classifications. There's the jacket classification, right? We've had different kinds <laughs> yeah. of jackets, you know. And and so being you know new in the jacket classification, eh, we've had the hat thing. We've had the cowboy hat. I think there's another team doing a cowboy hat right now. The Angels were doing it last year. But then I saw somebody wearing a cowboy hat again this year. Uh, Is it Texas? Court. What's Texas? I saw a, I saw a post game cowboy hat. Yeah, post game cowboy hat. So I think there's a team doing a cowboy hat now. But the at least the Braves like took the cowboy hat or took the hat thing to a new level with the big hat. Have you seen the big hat? Yeah. It's like oh, it's the, almost yeah, like the, the, the yeah. it reminds me of the pitcher hat where they where the where they're trying to shield their skulls the cap, like, with the yeah. big oversized yeah. hat. So that that one's pretty good. Um, but my favorites uh, involve motion and dancing. So there's been uh, some sort of uh, I, oh I guess it was maybe it was Colombia uh, or Venezuela that was like doing the bongos during the WBC. Yeah, I like that one. That was good. And then there's been some like dance lines where like the whole team gets together and the, the guy who hits a homer has to do a dance through the line. I like um, that. Yeah, I like, I like those. That. I think that my favorite might be the my favorite version of that might be the laundry cart. It's just funny. It's funny, and you're you're kind of belittling them a little bit. They just hit a homer. Like they they're on top of the world. You throw yeah. them in the laundry cart and throw them like through, and everyone sort of like pummels them. Yeah, that, yeah. That, I like that one. It involves motion. It's exciting. It's quick. And uh, hopefully people won't get hurt doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Derek, what do you got? Come on. It's the cheese head. It's got to no, be the cheese head. Yeah, I, no <laughs> one's going to in the hat classification. Sword? Come on. The pirate sword I was like my runner up. I debated. Oh, the sword's good. I missed the, the that. What's really the sword? Good. It's amazing. You know, you got to get on, on Instagram or, or Twitter and look these up. It's a sword. They just they just they give a sword. They present the sword to the guy who did the homer. That's was it G Man Choi who did a whole? No, they do a whole routine. <laughs> yeah, G Man Choi was doing some Zorro stuff in the dugout. Yes. He was he was going with it. it they, I they like that that can Pittsburgh. also then translate to on the field, right? 
this is all yeah. good. Like you, you want that yes. sort of like positive energy around your club. But I also like you could do it for doubles, right? Because the 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 the, the water thing for the the Orioles, they're doing the the sprinkler they're dance. Going, yeah, like this. Yeah, yeah, at, yeah, at second base when they hit a double. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, is there like a cheese thing they do with their head when they're at second base? No, they don't. I don't know if they have one. They're just doing like a I don't know a lawnmower start, or they're doing something smaller with their hands right uh-huh. now. I can't can't figure out exactly what they're referencing. Some of the hand gestures you see when guys hit a double. You're like, I don't know what that means, but I don't like it. Like a, <laughs> I'm an old man yelling at clouds. <laughs> yeah. It, Not for that reason. I like the celebrations, but I'm like, I don't want to mimic that because I don't know exactly what it means and where it came it could, from. It could be nasty. <laughs> it could be gross, so I just don't want to copy it. I, I'm not bothered by the celebrations at all. I think it's uh, good for the game. It's good to be excited. I do think the, unfortunately, I think the dong bong one is one that the league might kind of quietly say, hey, don't, don't do that. We don't want little league kids bringing... Beer bongs to their games to chug Gatorade after <laughs> little, they hit dingers. Yes. Little six-year-olds. Like, yeah, totally. yeah, well, that's exactly. That. You gotta be careful. That's like Grayson Rodriguez. You know, people have been like using the gas can emoji with him. And the other day, I saw that like someone with the Orioles was like, "Hey, just so you know, you cannot bring gas cans into the stadium. Not now, not ever." Because apparently, their Double no. A buoy team like had a promotion around like in the minor leagues. You can kind of do whatever you want. Right. Um, and they're like, hey guys, you can't bring gas cans. <laughs> gas can giveaways, like a, a Grayson Rodriguez uh, yeah. gas can. Totally. Sure. Little yeah, kid with sense. a lawnmower. Woo! <laughs> These little kids bringing gas cans into the stadium. What could go wrong? <laughs> well, let us know what your favorite celebrations are on the young season so far. That's one of the best things about early baseball. You get to see what these guys have been choreographing together for the last six months. So <laughs> hit us up on Twitter. Britt is at Britt underscore Giroli. Eno's at Eno Saris. I am at Derek Van Riper. If you'd like a subscription to The Athletic, they are just a dollar a month for the first year at theathletic.com slash baseball show. That's going to do it for this episode of The Athletic Baseball Show. We're back with you on Friday. Always got the green light here. Green light.